0: John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. <laughs> John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that voice for us next.
1: Big jab there from Duffy and Fred Meers. Now Down goes Duffy out oh, Fred cool. Mears does it again. Rock'em sock'em robots here. Oh my goodness! I can't believe there
2: are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists.
0: Here
1: are your hosts, John Annick and Kenny Florian.
3: Well, that might have been the best fight card that I've ever called. Certainly a recency bias there, but that one felt like a good one last night. Good day to you. Sunday, December 13th, 2020, episode 280 of the Anik and Florian podcast. We are coast to coast today. Ken Flo, it's good to see you, my friend. Rocking that Anik and Florian podcast t-shirt, no less. A little under the weather, though, aren't you?
1: I am. I am. I'm just glad uh, it's not COVID. Uh, I've I've had a couple tests. I was not feeling too hot, but... uh, I'm here and I'm excited to talk about this amazing main event, man, which was just insane.
3: So because I've taken 60 COVID tests, can I ask you if it was a nasal
1: swab or the throat jobber? It was the nasal swab. That, that's the only one I've done. You no, know, Yeah. I think on BattleBots they were doing the throat swab. But anyways, yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I've had a bunch yeah. myself, but uh, you know, it's it's funny. Like I'm having all like the the cold symptoms and I'm yeah. freaking out. I'm like, am I gonna get someone sick?
3: But anyways, well, you look good. You sound good, good enough. And we have so much to get into and it sort of feels like a daunting task today to get to all of these fighters. And I know some of our listeners and viewers will say, well, why don't you go two hours? And it's like, well, uh, maybe we will, you know what, maybe we fucking will today. I said I was going to go the whole episode without swearing. And then two minutes in, uh, so Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno go the distance. It ends up being a majority draw. One judge for Davis and Figueredo. The two other judges had it 47 to 47. So many different layers to this championship fight. It was epic. Uh, I think for me, it might even unseat Zhang Wei Lee versus Ioana Yunjajic for the fight of the year. I guess that's neither here nor there, Ken Flo. Your thoughts on Figueredo, Moreno, the full 25 minutes, and ultimately how
1: you scored it if you were indeed scoring the fight. Uh, just ridiculous. Listen, I think that main event really had it all. Not only was it uh, filled with drama and back and forth action. Uh, but, um, I think it was technical. I think both those guys showed skills everywhere as well, which is also rare in a mixed martial arts fight. Um, and I think both those guys are elite for a reason and they proved it. Uh, and and the fact that both of those guys really showed up to the best of their abilities. Obviously Davison wasn't hundred percent, uh, with being in the hospital, but both of those guys truly showed up and put it all in the line, gave everything they had. Uh, and we had an absolute classic because of it. Um, you know, is it one of the best flyweight fights or is it the best flyweight fight of all time? Probably. I, I listen, yeah. I think both those guys, uh, showed skill everywhere, showed heart. Uh, they, they ate some insane shots. Both guys proved that they're extremely durable. Um, and, and I was just thoroughly entertained, man. How is a 125 pound man, and maybe he was
3: 137 on fight night, but a 125 pound man like Brandon Moreno able to absorb all of that damage and seemingly not by, be hurt by any of those headshots? really? Like what, what is he made of Kenny?
1: Uh, how is Davison Figueredo 125 pounds, but it's like, he looked like he was 145 or out there. He looked huge. huge. Moreno's chin is insane. I mean, I would say and i don't think this is much of an exaggeration i would say 85% of davison's shots and obviously this is a uh uh non-scientific uh, statistic yeah. from old ken flo uh 85% of his shots are knockout shots i mean he's looking to take your head off with yeah. 85% of his strikes it's insane and many of those were landing many of those were landing on the chin of Brandon Moreno. And the dude was still standing. Not only was he still standing, he was countering right after that. He'd eat a shot and kind of his head would flip back and he'd automatically throw like three shots right back. Dude, what a fight. It was insane. Brandon Moreno is a stud, man. Absolute stud. And so is Figueiredo And he's so
3: accurate as Davison on the feed. I mean, consistently really, yeah. landing north of 55, 60% of his significant strike attempts. And uh, epic fight that Dana White has an appetite for running back immediately, which certainly dovetails with my opinion. Without an obvious flyweight contender with respect to Cody Garbrandt, Brandon Moreno has earned a second championship opportunity. Let's also not forget he took this fight on three weeks. So did Figueroa. And there are some advantages right, for Moreno being in that climate, touching down on that canvas. I do think there is a, a competitive advantage for guys to compete frequently. There's no doubt about it. But when I asked him in the fighter, I mean, I said, would it be nice to have eight weeks to prepare for this guy? And, and what did he say? He said um, he said we're trying to be positive was the first thing he said, you know, right. Um. and but a lot, you know, he was competitive with Davis and Figueredo. And I do believe that. Figueredo would have won this fight without the point deduction. I did have a three, two for Figueredo, you know, my twin brother and many other people out there disagree. Uh, before I get to Jason Herzog and the point deduction, did
1: you, did you have a score for this fight? Um, I did. I, I had, uh, rounds one, two, and five for Davison Me too. I had, I had round three as a nine nine myself. I actually right. thought that Davison squeezed it out because again, if we're talking about damage and effectiveness of grappling and and uh striking, I thought Davison would have won that round. Now with the point deduction, that's a nine nine. And round four I definitely had for Brandon Moreno. So Again, that's the way I called it. Look, was that something similar to what you had? Yes, or? I would okay. like to go back and watch the second round, but I saw it that yeah. way as
3: well. Everything I know pretty much about scoring, I have learned from sit downs with John McCarthy and from immersing myself in the rules. Okay, yeah. so here's the deal with the point deduction, and some people know this, some people don't. I'm sure you know this, Ken Flo. But essentially, when a foul is committed, right, and hopefully the fighters out here who are listening to this heed this advice: if you get kicked in the balls, dry heave and cough, right because there's a good chance they're going to take a point away. So essentially what Jason Herzog has to determine or any referee has to determine in that moment, which is very difficult is how is that foul going to impact the rest of the fight? So you have to determine not only was it inadvertent, was it accidental? Cause if it's intentional, it's easy. You just take fucking sure. point. But if it's accidental as this strike was deemed to be, then you say, all right, well, the toes were pointed, you know, right on as Johnson, right? I mean, it was a perfect groin strike. And Brandon Moreno, as tough as they come, is writhing in pain, and it looks like he's going to throw up in the octagon, right? So once he starts dry heaving, I'm thinking he got to take a point because what a referee is supposed to do is try to level the playing field based upon how they think that foul is going to affect the rest of the fight. Now, retrospectively, Kenny, I would say that it didn't have an impact on the rest of the fight largely. Brandon didn't complain about it after the fact. He didn't take the full five minutes that were allotted and so I think retroactively, I would say, you know, maybe you, you, you didn't have to take the point, but I absolutely believe that Jason Herzog made the right decision in that moment because a referee has no choice but to do his best in a singular moment to forecast how that
1: strike might have impacted the rest of the fight. No question. I think, listen, the only reason I know that is because I remember you talking about that from a few years ago. Now, Um, yeah, listen, that was tough. No one wants to see a point deduction like that, especially on a first go. Um, you know, I don't know of many ball shots that aren't going to have an impact on the rest of the fight, but I'll tell you one thing that probably influenced that. Okay. Uh, And again, this is me and Jason Herzog is an amazing ref and I agree with him. But if we didn't see an eye poke before that. I don't know if there would have been a point I'm I'm not sure. I, again, I, I am totally uh, speculating here, right. but I don't think that helped uh, the cause of Davison Figueredo. I
3: hadn't thought of that. I think it's a very fair point to inject into the conversation and you can be sure the next time I see Jason, I will bring that to his attention. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't shy away. He's an outstanding referee. He really and, is. And, and is in complete control of that octagon. We are going to spend more time on Figueredo and Moreno with Ray Longo, but I would assume that uh, that you believe Brandon Moreno should be the next title challenger based upon the uh, inconclusive nature of this final result or not necessarily.
1: Listen, I would love to see that fight. I think it's I think it's much deserved. Um, I I hope the timing works out that they can uh, run it back. Um, You know, listen, obviously, there's Cody Garbrandt out there. There's there's a couple others. But just based on the fact that Brandon Moreno asked for this, he took this fight, uh, you know, just what? Three weeks ago he fought on the same night as, as Davis and Figueredo. he wanted this. He he stepped up to the plate and delivered uh one of the best fights of the year. Uh w- when we really needed it. I I think. Yeah. You know. Um yep. so I thought it was a spectacular fight. Um and the dude's a stud. You know, I said I said no respect to no disrespect to the other uh fighters on the card. I think they should have given them all the bonuses that night. I, I Crazy. thought that there were some great finishes and some impressive performances, but as far as matchmaking goes and, uh, even evenness of, of, of yeah. how these guys, uh, were matched together, I thought it was just a uh, brilliant, uh, w- what a fight. And my colleague, Megan O'Levy tells me that, Brandon Randall loves to
3: drive, but the dude did go back to Tijuana for a few days, drove back and then drove back wow. to the within those three weeks and uh, <laughs> wow. was on weight the night before the fight. That's the other angle with Davison Figueiredo right? Probably 146 pounds or so entering that octagon and maybe a, a few lighter because he was so sick the night before. Yes. And again, we're not making excuses, right? When we trot that out there. And if you'll notice, we did not mention it on the broadcast. I think I was the only one yes. of the three of us who had that information before we went to the air, but this is a much easier weight cut for Brandon Moreno, Ken Flo, than it is for Davis and Figueredo. And I think he has a better chance to make the weight might get sick afterward, but I think he has a better chance to make the weight when he's, you know, turning around quickly. I just have said, I, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I, I just, I th- I see him as a bantamweight weight. Uh, eventually. I don't know how many title defenses it's going to take. I just don't see Figueredo being able to consistently make this. Now there's no fat on him.
1: I agree. Listen, I, I think he's huge. He's huge for the weight class. Um, again, I do think it is a different mentality. I-, I would think anyways, uh, that as champion, if you have that belt, what is more motivating than that? If you can't make the weight, uh, as champion, You know that you are going to be in big trouble, uh, you know, with your team, with the organization, if you're not making the weight. But I do agree. uh, You know, he's a huge guy. He's got a big frame. Um, I I know he struggled with weight in the past. uh, But uh, if he doesn't get his act together, he could lose, uh, you know, the biggest opportunity of his life. So I think for him to squander that, for him to screw it up uh, would be terrible. Either, Either he just decides after a few title defenses, he goes, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm good. I don't want to risk it anymore. I'm just going to go up and wait and look for a new challenge. Yeah. Um, but what he can't do is miss weight as champion. That would be very bad. And he's made weight three consecutive times. So power to
3: Davison Figadetto, Deus de Geha. And who knows if the stomach illness or infection was a byproduct of the weight cut or not. I think it had to be linked in some way, shape, or form, but you never do know. And I also will say, and I said this on the broadcast, but I want to say for this audience, Davidson Figueiredo is a brilliant little man. I mean, he's thoughtful, he is smart, and because he only speaks Brazilian Portuguese, that's lost on the American audience. Read his subtitles, you know? Listen to the interpretations. I mean, this dude was one powerful quote after another, all fight week long, and I think sometimes that supreme intelligence uh, is not something we give a guy credit for because we can't understand anything coming out of his mouth. I think this guy is the total package, mentally, physically, intellectually. I love him.
1: I'll say this. Um, you know, there were a few times where maybe he defensively wasn't as sound as I would have liked to seen him. However, you don't see someone with that kind of craft, with that kind of skill, uh, who's not going to be an intelligent dude. Uh, you know, clearly he's got something going on there, uh, between the ears. And I thought that, uh, it was, a, again, just a brilliant performance. He's a guy that a lot of people are going to watch fight. I will go back to what you said about weigh-ins, John, and that's a great point. Um, what people forget is any time you are depleting your body, right, of water and you're dehydrating yourself, not to mention that is compounded by the intense fight camp that is taking place. I can't tell you how many times I got sick or had some kind of immune issue had it because that's when your body needs it most. That's why you see a lot of guys with staff infections. You see a lot of guys get cold and sick and all that stuff because their body's going through so much right yeah. between the weight cut, the training and everything yeah. else.
3: Paul Felder was so sick on that Friday, a couple weeks ago, a month I ago, I guess now, yeah. I mean, Thursday night from hell. And then Friday he was sick. And then when he felt better though, he was so excited because uh, obviously he fought well and eventually was able to turn that corner as figure was able to do. We'll have more on the main event with Ray Longo, of course, but how about Charles Dubron's Oliveira, Ken flow, right? You remember when he was 20 years old, submitting Darren Elkins on versus in his UFC debut. And look at him now, man, nine and one since returning to 155 pounds, a dominant grappling effort against Tony Ferguson Take it any way you want to go, my man. What would you think of the co-main event?
1: Well, clearly, uh, you know, it was the right move, keeping him at lightweight. Um, And I think it goes to show that, um, you know, there's the guys, obviously, who have been around the sport for too long. And you're like, you know, it's time to hang it up. But there's also the guys that maybe struggle a little bit early on in their career and then come back to really mature and put it all together. Charles Oliveira is clearly that kind of individual where he is not only comfortable in the octagon, but his skills have matured. He's putting it all together perfectly. Uh, And now he's put himself in a position to beat one of the greatest lightweights of all time. Um, I I thought it was an excellent performance. Um, I thought that, um, you know, if you didn't know about Tony's background, you'd think Tony was just another fighter. Uh, When that is clearly not the case, Tony uh, obviously showed a toughness that is unlike anyone else out there or very few out there. However, um, if you say that Charles Oliveira did anything else uh, other than dominate that fight, you you weren't looking at the right fight. It was extremely dominant. Um, It was uh, an amazing performance. And you know what? It'd be hard to kind of deny him a, a potential title shot. Uh, maybe for his next fight or maybe another fight, uh, you know, maybe he, he deserves one more fight, uh, after this one, but how do you argue that? I mean, I, and he just beat one of the best lightweights to ever do it. Uh, and he dominated man. What a performance And, and what a time to do it. So
3: Tony Ferguson is not the tapping type. No. We know no, know not. That. How's that arm feel today? Do you have any intel for us on uh, how he was able to survive and, and what type of injuries he might have sustained? Dr. Florian?
1: Yeah, I'll say this. Listen, if you have an opportunity to choke someone uh, <laughs> over, over, over going for an arm lock, you always go for the choke for that reason, because there are psychopaths out there <laughs> where it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Break my arm. You have the Dan Hardys. You have the Tim Silvias. You have the Carla Esparza's where it's like. Okay, it's a broken arm. I'll deal with it. Or or are you gonna stretch out my ligaments? Oh boo-hoo. Not, not a big deal, you know. And we've all been there, we've all had those things, but um, you know, not they're... all of us. <laughs> <Not laughs> yeah, exactly. there's tough dudes, and then there's Tony Fergusons. So, uh, you know, I I think that um it was it was a perfectly executed arm lock, but Tony Ferguson doesn't believe in arm locks, that's the problem. Built different, you know, built different, We're all built a little bit different,
3: so uh <laughs> There is a conversation to be had about the soon-to-be 37-year-old Tony Ferguson, and uh, I don't want to make any great leap because he was dominated on the ground by Charles Oliveira, uh, but there were wholesale changes, right? Rashad Holloway and Eddie Bravo were not in the corner. Tony was extremely testy with me uh, on in our fighter meeting, not at all happy with uh, whatever— I might've said on a broadcast or, or in a public forum, Tony and I have always had a great relationship. Um, but I think he came in with an agenda to be tight-lipped about the changes he had made during mm-hmm. his training camp and didn't necessarily like that line of questioning. He's a trendsetter. He doesn't like handholders. He doesn't surround himself with a lot of pro fighters because he considers most of them to be yes men. And he doesn't really want to get too comfortable. Um, but whatever he was doing, while physically and mentally he seemed to be in a pretty good place, it didn't produce the desired result. And I'm curious what you think about Tony, not only this past Saturday, but how
1: he spins this forward. This is difficult because, you know, I'll say this. I'm not saying this is the case for someone like Tony Ferguson. I would take that leap for someone like a Jacare Sosa. OK, um, that. When a fighter is kind of done in their career, the way it happens typically is like gradually, then all of a sudden, right? When you see a fighter just kind of go, could that be the case for Tony Ferguson? It's possible because you know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, the the Justin Gaethje fight, yes, that could have done it." But name a Tony Ferguson fight where it wasn't totally insane. I mean, eighty percent of his fights were crazy, where he won, but he also took a ton of damage so this is why I say you know I say this for my jujitsu students I say this for anyone who is fighting there is an energy scarcity issue right and there is a power scarcity issue uh, and there is a durability scarcity issue where yes that can work for the time being but just understand that your ability to be durable is limited it is fixed and it never gets bigger, in my opinion. Right, it only right. gets shorter. And people who think that, like, I'm gonna, you know, outgrind my opponent or do to take that approach day in and day out or or fight in, fight out is stupid, candidly. It's just it's not the right approach. Yeah, it can work. It doesn't mean that's the approach you're supposed to use as a martial artist. As humans, we are constantly trying to look for ways to be more efficient, to be more creative, to be more effective. And if we're just leading with our heart and our durability, every single time out, then you better be prepared for that to go away. If I was listening to this podcast, I would probably rewind
3: it 90 seconds and listen to what you just said again, because you, you, you put it beautifully and hit on a lot of different points. And I do think he retains his status. Resume wise, is one of the best lightweights in UFC history. But this is the first time that he has fought twice in a calendar year since 2016. And Now, all of a sudden, on the heels of W12, it's L2, right? The 12-fight winning streak and now two consecutive losses. He's still one of the biggest names in this division. He's still going to be fighting a top six or seven guy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But Charles Oliveira is now on a championship trajectory, and Tony Ferguson is not. And uh, this is the first time in a long time, Kenny, where he has been, I think,
1: firmly out of that title conversation. Hey, and I'll say this. Listen, I I think that Tony uh wasn't necessarily recognized as in my opinion again i you know the narrative it, it changes um but i think that i don't think tony was necessarily known as the most technical striker um and i don't for me i i i never really believed that narrative that he was ah, uh, very dangerous on the on his back necessarily uh, again i think that was something where he's had some submissions. He, he definitely, you know, locked up, uh, you know, Kevin Lee with the triangle choke and things like that. Is that his strength in my opinion? No. Um, I think what, what, what is his strength is the fact that the way that he puts it all together, uh, and the fact that he is one of the toughest dudes in the world, the fact that he will repeatedly back you up is what makes him such a difficult fighter. He finds a way to win. Is he this technical phenom? no he's never he never right. has right. been so right. you know i think that's where charles oliveira really exposed him so we have to talk about that as well hey shit charles oliveira is just damn good as well
3: a lot of people are salivating at Ah, Charles Oliveira, Habib Nurmagomedov fight to see that dynamic play out on the ground. I still believe Habib Nurmagomedov is retired, and I don't know what type of competitive challenge would bring him back. I do think the Oliveira challenge would probably be intriguing for Habib right now, with the eight-fight winning streak and with what he did to Tony. You know,
1: uh, I, no question, dude. No, no question. I think that like, you know, if you're looking for a guy that uh, could pose a problem for Habib, Habib does his best work on the ground. Charles Oliveira, you could argue, does his best work on the ground. But he ain't too shabby on the feet either. Yeah, That's the thing. Yeah. He's, a, he's a much more technical striker than Habib. So I think he you have this advantage, which I think if I'm building up this fight, right, uh, you know, what makes it intriguing is the fact that he is very technical. He's going to be more dangerous than Habib on the feet. But he also possesses some really savvy submission skills, which could potentially uh, thwart some of the effectiveness of Habib Nurmagomedov. I will you know, piggyback on that and say, unfortunately, for everyone who was looking forward to that Tony Ferguson, Habib Nurmagomedov fight, I think Charles Oliveira just killed all of our hopes, just killed all of our hopes and dreams of us being salivating for that fight. Now you're like, OK, I, I, I know the result of that fight now it would have been Habib in another potential massacre. You right. know, I, and it's again, no disrespect. But based on what we saw on the ground from Tony, Habib would have would have fully taken advantage of that.
3: Yeah, and if Justin Gaethje didn't close the door on Habib and Tony never sharing the octagon despite five attempts, then Charles Oliveira I think sealed it shut. So Ray Longo is scheduled to join us in about 8 seconds, right? He just texted me how we looking, right? He is <laughs> jonesing to talk about UFC 256. So long ago coming up in 60 seconds, but if you're looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further because our sponsors Manscaped have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. As many of you know, Manscaped is ahead of its time and is the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products. Thankfully, they have also released their products now to our international audience. Products are now across Europe, Canada, and Australia. And you know, I've done probably more traveling this year than in most years past. I don't leave home without my lawnmower 3.0, but Manscaped has a lot more to offer than just the lawnmower that we've been talking about. A lot of these products are great stocking stuffers, the crop preserver ball deodorant, crop cleanser body wash, which is a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. Kenfla loves the crop mop ball wipes, by the way. Don't shoot the messenger. They've also got foot duster, foot deodorant, and of course, the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which, like the lawnmower, has that proprietary skin safe technology. So if you want to help out your partner, dad, brother, or friend, get them something they will actually use. And it's almost sure to get a laugh as well. We got a deal for you, 20% off, free shipping, right now at manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF and be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. All right, let us get to the impatient star of the show, Ray Longo.
0: Now, time for the Ray Longo Minute.
1: I want to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute, starring Ray Longo, the John Annick
3: and Kenny Florian podcast. How about Ray Longo telling Chris Weidman that he wants him to punch a hole in the guy's fucking chest? What a legend you are! <laughs>
0: oh man, those were the days, huh? Those, those were, were the, the days. days.
1: So So you know what I did today? You would have felt pretty bad if he actually put a hole in someone's chest. (laughs) All right. I mean, that would have been, you would have been an accessory to murder. Uh, You know, (laughs) how many years are you doing in jail? Thankfully, that didn't happen.
0: Listen, anything that happens in that cage is all good. As soon as that cage door closes, I agree with you. But once (laughs) that door is locked, anything goes. I anything.
3: So it is about 4.30 p.m. Pacific time here on a Sunday. You know who I spent the day with today, Ray?
0: I could I, uh, Is I yeah.
3: was the best listener on planet earth, Matt Sarah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, he's a good listener. You didn't get a word <laughs> in that. Oh yeah. I like this. I'd like to <laughs> witness that. Well,
3: I got to tell you, man, last night was one of the, the best cards that I've ever had the chance to call, but it was a little bittersweet because last night was to be Aljamain Sterling's first championship opportunity. And I did have that in my head a lot last night that, that Aljo and Piotr Jan were supposed to be, uh, Grace in that octagon, but uh yeah, we filmed the best of 2020 today, and man, your boy, your boy is is just out of his skull. You know, he's Here's like we talked to Longo. I'm like every fucking Monday I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's he's so, so self absorbed he doesn't even know that at this point. Like, and I then did, at one point, my best friend, then he doesn't know. But and then, but he's point, always he's like, on that guy, right? He's always on. Always on. At one point, he's like,
3: "Why do you and Kenny not have me on the Anakin Florian podcast?" And I'm like, hey, "Come on, anytime." <laughs> Just vet it through Ray. We'll get you on. All right. So I feel like we could talk about like all 10 winners from Saturday night and even like three or four of the losers. So I'll try to do this as efficiently as possible. Ray, we were just talking about Charles Oliveira and Tony Ferguson. So I guess we'll start there and then sort of skip back to the main event. I mean, this Charles Oliveira is an incredible story for any number of reasons. I feel like I've watched his whole UFC career and, uh, I don't know, man, 27 UFC fights at 31 years of age and all the lightweight momentum in the world now and and that signature win that some suggested uh, he didn't have prior to Saturday night.
0: Yeah, uh, look, uh, you know, Oliveira actually fought in the ring of combat, believe it or not, two years ago. Wow. And he looked, I mean, he was vicious back then. I, I, at that day, I knew something good was going to happen for him. Uh, you know, look, I think last night, even with the Tony Ferguson thing, and I, and I, and obviously Olivera's, super talented but i think everybody i just wanted to see which what ferguson like what the remains of him of ferguson was after that gaethje fight and i think we got our answer i didn't like anything i saw and uh like again not to take away from oliver's performance because obviously he went out there and he was going to dictate where this fight was happening and he, he proved that you know he's he was the bully in that fight but uh Man, I don't know. I, I I kind of feel bad for Ferguson. I think, uh, you know, look, I think the biggest takeaway, and Kenny, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, is like Rogan saying, like, you know, he he runs his own camp. Like when he wants to train, he trains. Like the guy needs guidance at this point. He really does. He got away with look, super talented guy. I think he got away with it for years. But look, he's been in trouble in fights. I think just crazy has caught up with this guy now. And if he doesn't get straightened out, nobody's buying into it anymore. He could hit the Wing Chun dummy all he wants, but he's going to have to fight. And that wasn't looking good, man. So Oliveira did a good job. I think we got some answers on Tony. He's not getting any younger. Uh, I I feel bad because he had such a win streak. He never got that big fight. but. Man, talk about does anybody want to see the Khabib fight after last night? You right. know, and I he just I, made that exact point, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I, yeah, I mean, I, like again, I wanted to see it, I, I couldn't care less now. We, I don't, right. did nothing, you know what I mean? So, I felt like I
3: spent years banging the drum that he was just criminally underappreciated, that the winning yeah. streak even didn't get I the mean, credit that it deserved, and uh, yeah, it's disappointing.
0: I, I agree with you, and I think that's the sad part of the story is that. Yeah, he just never got that shot, and he deserved it. He earned it, and uh, I don't know where this guy goes. I got to tell you, Kenny, even the corner work, you don't tell that guy after the second round, you got to knock this guy out or you're losing. Like, you got to stop him. Like, zero. Like, you're doing good. Like, I don't get that, man. Like, no urgency. But then again, I don't want to even dump it on the corner. I mean, if he's doing his own thing. I didn't see Eddie Bravo in the corner. I don't know what that was about, but, uh, you know, if, I hope he doesn't go to a route where you have one loss and everybody's disappearing because you start blaming those people instead of looking inside to yourself. But hey, it was sad, man. You know, but like again, I don't want to take away anything from Oliveira. He's going to get a big fight out of this, and uh, man, he just man, well, he he just what a what a performance he had, man. There's nothing to say. He just was phenomenal.
3: Yeah, those were training partners, not coaches, in Tony Ferguson's corner. Ray, would you feel less bad for Tony if I told you he called me a little bitch in our fighter meeting? Would you feel less bad? (laughs) Did he really? He did call me a little bitch, but that's okay. I've always had a great relationship with Tony, and as Kenny knows acutely, I am so conditioned now—show in and show out—to putting out fires with some coach or some fighter. This one personally was a little bit upsetting to me because, uh, I hold Tony in the highest regard and I feel like I've kind of championed his cause like more than most fighters. Like I feel like I have promoted the hell out of him and his cause. So I don't know exactly what he was upset with, but no, I do think some soul searching needs to happen. And uh, I I would like to see in my limited knowledge, Kenny, him realign with Rashad Holloway and Eddie Bravo. You know, I don't know who's being blamed for what, but I I do believe they realized a lot of success as a team and Rashad was a good head coach for him, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I think that, um, losing after having so much success and then losing in that manner to someone like Justin Gaethje, I think, uh, will mess with you a little bit. Um, and who knows, you know, again, you know, so much of it also comes down to a lot of the personal things that happen uh, that we just don't know about, yeah. Um, and who knows? But I agree with Ray a hundred percent that um, there needs to be some kind of, um, you know, so- soul searching uh, where you kind of look at yourself and go, "What am I doing here? Am I doing the best thing for me? Am I becoming a better martial artist, or am I getting worse?" Uh, toughness is is there and always will be, but as far as skills, he he needs to get better again. Like. Is that the guy that fought Rafael dos Anjos in Mexico City? Right. Is that the guy that dug down deep against of Vanada? And you know, I don't know. It's it's tough. Listen, Charles Oliveira is a highly skilled fighter, and I think it might have been a difficult matchup for him for sure. But to see Tony Ferguson, a guy who wrestled at, at the college level, exactly. maybe not Division One, get taken down exactly. like
0: that exactly. with,
1: without a struggle, I don't know. You it just know. didn't look to me like. It was
0: Tony in his prime, but... But, yeah, look, I I couldn't agree more with with Kenny. And I got to tell you, toughness, nobody's going to question that guy's toughness. Unbelievable. But it's at the point now where it's going to start hurting him. Like, he didn't even want to go down against Gaethje. He ate shots that, luckily, the ref saved him, you know, no matter what. But look how tough he was. His arm got bent in an unnatural position. The guy's not tapping. We know he's tough. But that now is, you know, as you get older, that's not going to... That you need more than that. Now you know, like when you get older, you got to fight with experience, right? You know how to tie a guy up. You know, you you you've we've seen guys win fights just based on experience. He's not demonstrating that. He's still the guy that he thinks he was eight years ago, and he's not. And I and I'll tell you what. Let me. I always go back to this. Would he have beat Oliveira five years ago? And I'm going to say, yeah. He, I think I think he might have walked right through him. I mean, uh, but. I, that was that was a big test last night because I, I thought Ferguson was going to win that fight. I really did. And uh, he wasn't even close. Yeah. So, you know, man, it's just sad. But uh, Oliveira, hats off to him, man. He's been around forever, and he looks like he's, you know, peaking now at the right time. So I, I'm excited to see what the future holds for him.
1: I think this is also a reminder for, for the fans watching that – no matter how good a fighter was at a certain point is that after a certain amount of damage, yeah, they're not going to be the same. This sport will get everybody. If, if you stay oh. in the game long enough, that's the thing. It, it's not, you know, people, again, we forget, we have this idea and, and we, you know, stay in the moment, we have fun and we watch these events, but we forget that, um, we are human and that we are not invincible. and, and yeah.
0: Guess who? Guess who forgets that though? The fighter. That's the problem. He he needs to be surrounded right now by complete honesty. That's it. That's it. I mean, no yes men, zero, because that's not going to help you at this point. And now, yeah.
3: Well, you're sort of providing a natural transition to a couple of Brazilian fighters, Junior dos Santos and Jaque de Souza, who seemingly have left their fighting primes. I hate to make some grand statement about Jaco de Soza, but he did turn 41 during fight week. And Kenny, I'll lead with you on this. And I don't know if you were sort of working this way when it comes to these two fighters in particular, but I think they both still derive a lot of confidence in their preparation and in their training and their ability to still go hard and do the three-a-days. You know, Junior Dos Santos feels like a world champion when he's training. But it's four straight losses now, and they've all been pretty devastating. Um, you got anything for me on on those two? And if there's any parallel to be drawn
1: there. You know, listen, th- those are guys that are repeating patterns that are not um, going to help them for fights. I think Junior, Junior DeSantos repeatedly puts himself in harm's way in uh, fights at a range that uh, is really dangerous. He's a heavyweight fighter, and, and you fight a guy like uh, Gunn who, in my opinion, like, that's one of the guys, that's, that's one of the reasons why you carry a weapon if you need to, like, that yeah, guy's yeah. massive, okay? Uh-huh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not taking that guy down and submitting him. To, you know what I mean? Like, that's a massive individual. And if he hits you, you're going to be in trouble. Um, And Junior DeSantos is fighting at a range, in my opinion, which is uh, really, really dangerous, Um, and it's not sustainable. Um, And Jacare Sosa... Uh, looks like a shell of, of his former self. Um, just even like when I see a guy who's on top, he got the takedown on Kevin Holland yeah. and he's sitting on his heels and kind of covering yeah. up.
0: Yeah. He was what out, like, going,
3: talking, what is going on? And also yeah. like, he was dancing before Whoa. the fight and then talking like you're just
1: going right into right. Kevin Holland's wheelhouse. Dude, yes. when you're showing up to just collect a check, I don't care what job you have. If you're yeah. just showing up to collect a, collect a check, you don't want to be there period. And to me, yeah. it looks like Jacare doesn't want to be there. It's hard for me to say that because he's done, he's accomplished so much in the jiu-jitsu world. He's accomplished so much in the MMA world. But when I see that, that doesn't look like he wants to be there. And, and that's yeah. unfortunate, and that's dangerous.
0: Yeah, listen, at forty-one, he's got nothing to prove. He's got nothing to prove. You know what I mean? You get—he's entering into a an area now where you you could get hurt, like really, really hurt. And though, so Sanyos wasn't even looking at that guy when he got hit with the elbow. You know what I'm saying? Like, his mechanics looked like you're in a goddamn fight with an animal. You don't take your fucking eyes off him. You know, he's right, just fucking right. walking around. And, <laughs> you know, weird. I don't know. I mean, that's not a good yeah. sign. Right. You know I, what I mean? And it, and
1: yeah. I'll say this. right. I couldn't agree more. Like, again, he didn't really want to be there either. He got hurt with a shot and kind of started looking away. Now, yeah. another thing. There's a reason why, and I was kind of, uh, someone was asking the question, hey, that was an illegal shot by Junior DeSantos. There's a reason why in boxing, there's two rules in boxing. One, you're not supposed to turn your back to your opponent. Number two, you're not allowed to hit in the back of the head. Now, the reason why the first rule exists is because you can't, you'd be actually cheating the rules by going like this. Like, ah, oh, he yeah, can't yeah. hit me in the head right, anymore. Right, right. Oh, why is he hitting me on the head? Because you're turning right. your back. That's yeah. why that rule exists.
3: Larry yeah. Bird actually would have been a great fighter because he has eyes in the back of his head. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. Ray, you know you know who Larry Bird is. Eh? So, uh, I
0: love Larry Bird, one of the best. That, I, I love Larry Bird. I love Larry Bird. Love All Bird. Right. Yeah. Kevin
3: Holland. Kevin yeah. Holland. Five wins in seven months. I'm an amateur, okay? You guys are the experts. But from the moment sure. Kevin Holland made his short notice UFC debut against Thiago Santos in LA in August of 2018, I had seen some regional footage. I thought he had all the skills to be champion. He was a Brazilian jiu jitsu brown belt under Travis Luter then. He is elevated to the black belt level now. I think, as he has suggested, when he puts on some muscle and makes a full commitment to the middleweight division, which is his desire. Championship ceiling for me, Ray, and what a luxury for the UFC to have an anyone, anywhere, anytime type of fighter who's a bona fide middleweight
0: contender. Hey, listen, man. I bought my ticket last night. I jumped on the Kevin Holland train, man. I'm on. on. I'm on board. I like, you know what? You know, I think uh, Cody might have put out something. What's your takeaway from this fight? You know, one of my takeaways was just sportsmanship and really humbleness. And, like, Kevin Holland, even, like, you know, that was great. No, no, I got that from the— Nico Price, you know, Cyril yeah. Gunn, oh, you know, what a nice guy. Oh, that might have been man. I hope it wasn't illegal. It looked like, you know, there were so many interviews where people were just humble. The sportsmanship I thought was phenomenal. Uh, I love listening to people talk. I thought Kevin was 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 phenomenal last night. Like Travis Luter. I know, you know, Matt did the show with him. And man, that guy was one second away from beating uh, Anderson Silva. I mean, when if you go back and look at that, he had Anderson mounted. Do you remember that fight with Luda? I mean, crazy. Yep. So, uh, you know, he gave it up to his coach. He, he seems like he's he's in the present moment, man. He, he understands it. He loves it. Uh, major problem at this point.
3: So, Kenny, Kevin Holland's grandfather used to say to him, pressure busts pipes and you're built like a pipe, right? So Holland did tell us in our fighter meeting, and I think this has even changed since last Wednesday, but he said that he wanted to take two months off to put on weight so that there would sort of be more of a weight cut down, you know, cause he could come in 81, 82 if he really needed to. Wow. So I do think that that is going to be part of the immediate future for Kevin Holland, but, uh, just incredible to, to yeah. have this mentality, Kenny, to always be ready and willing and able. And, uh, if a star wasn't born uh Saturday night, then, uh, I don't know what else he needs to do to become a star. I mean, I just think he's got every tool in and out of the Octagon to really take it to the next level.
1: I I agree. I feel like it's really coming together for him right now. Um, you look at how his game is developing uh, as a striker, as a jujitsu guy. And you talk about who wanted to be there, him or Jacare Souza. Like there wasn't one point, there wasn't almost one second where Kevin Holland wasn't trying to hurt Jacare. Like, legitimately hurt him from any place so uh kevin is a guy who's hungry he wants to be in there you could see that he's dedicated to the sport um and the fact that he's been able to have not only this level of consistency but this level of activity is really really rare and
0: uh, i'm happy for the guy man the future is bright and guess what and kevin holland didn't buy into the narrative that if that fight hit the floor He was going to get strangled. And and I'm not sure I wasn't into that myself. But, man, I love it when a guy like that goes for it. He throws up his own submissions. Yeah, he doesn't buy into that. The second you buy into it, oh, the guy's a D1 wrestler. I can never take him down. You lost the fight, you know. And he seems like a guy who's so sure of himself. And I think he's got a ways to go. Don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you what, mentally, this guy, he's, he's right on point right now. And that's like, that was a great win. That's a confidence booster for him. Yeah. It seems like he's around the right people. And uh, absolutely. It's a great story. I yeah, mean, he's eight, eight and two
3: in the UFC now with five straight wins, but Travis Luter really helped him financially and other ways early yeah. on when he was cutting his teeth as a mixed martial artist. And uh, Travis really liked this matchup better than the Jack Hermanson main event that went away for Kevin Holland because he tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, yeah. chips to the center of the table on Kevin Holland. We'll see where yeah. Zaka Souza goes from here. Felt like he put in the right training camp, you know, brought in some seven foot two inch Brazilian Ken flow that they called trouble. Also brought Lyoto Machida to his house, but uh, wow, didn't work out for Jacare Souza. It did not work out for Junior Dos Santos. Time permitting, more on Ciro gone at the end of the program. But, Ken Flo, I would like to lead with you. And I promise, Ray, I'll get to the Figueiredo stuff. I promise I'll give oh, you the yeah. uh, platform for that. But Mackenzie oh, yeah. Dern, Kenny, the evolution of Mackenzie Dern under Jason Perillo on the feet has been pretty incredible. And I'm a big fan of Vina Janji But too. I, I do wish we saw a little bit more grappling here. I think the jujitsu fan in me really wanted to see these women go back and forth. But Kenny, what'd you think about Mackenzie Dern as she runs her winning streak to three in the UFC?
1: It was certainly a, a tough fight for her. Um, and uh, I thought that she definitely looks better on the feet. There's no question that Prillo is helping her out. I think that uh, she needed to settle down a little bit more and also keep her eyes on the target. Um, you know, she was kind of swinging and kind of dropping her head down and things. But there's no question that uh, she looks more uh, comfortable. She's moving her feet way better. She's not as plodding. She's not as flat footed. Uh, and I thought, really, that was the difference. I, I think that's why she beat uh Jaroba, in my opinion. So I thought uh, it was a close fight, but that's the way I had it. Um, I think the other thing that she needs to make better, I think, are 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 the takedowns. Um, I don't think that uh, she's as clean or as efficient with her takedowns as she can be. And if she has this huge uh, advantage on the ground, which I believe she does have, being a world class uh, jujitsu practitioner, um, she needs to improve her her takedowns, especially if she wants to have uh, fights where she's not taking as much damage. But uh, I thought it was a, a, a promising. Uh, fight and and a move in the right direction for her no question
0: yeah super super close fight uh she's got a a, you know like again not the most technical but her attitude and her will to win which you can't teach that's what she had in that fight she refused to lose and that was the difference in the fight they both are very competitive love the other girl too man did they throw down but her will to win and her desire. Uh, she could have packed it in after the nose was, you know, broke or whatever, but you know what? She stayed in there. Like, again, I didn't think it was technically, you know, she's going to grow, but I think the things that you can't teach she has, and that's, what's going to elevate her in the future.
3: All right. I'm going to try to rip through a few of these other names, and then we will close out our conversation today with Davison Figueredo with, with Ray, at least, uh, Kenny, I'm going to lead with you on this one, Gavin Tucker. If I had to pick one Canadian fighter right now to break through and win a UFC championship, I think he's the best talent we have right now out of Canada. He's had to deal with a lot of issues injury wise from that awful damage in the Rick Glenn fight lost two years of his career. So he's now 34, but that is a shiny pro record, 13 and one Billy Q had won eight consecutive fights. I love me some Gavin Tucker. And, uh, I think with the right fights next. He could really make a run. He's cut from the same cloth as you, man. He's super cerebral and strategic. And like, I'm not saying stylistically he is, but everything's well thought everything to a T attention to detail. Doesn't even begin to describe
1: it. He's a thinker man. And and even, you know, I loved his interview, uh, with Joe when he was talking about, you know, some of the things that he wished he did better. He was immediately, you know, thinking about things that he could have done better, which to me is a sign of a dude who, is not just satisfied with getting the win. He wants to do it in the cleanest, best way possible. Yeah. Um. He has the toughness. He's got the durability. Uh, he's got the smarts uh, and he's developing nicely, man. And Billy Q, as you know, we've talked about before, is one of the toughest dudes in that division. As far as toughness, uh, you know, he, he really has proved that time and time again. I yeah. thought that he was getting a, a little bit too wild. Um. I don't think he was as calculating as Gavin. I think that was the difference. Um, but beating a guy like Billy Q, I think says a lot about Gavin. Uh, and, uh, I, I think his ceiling is pretty high. So I thought that was a huge win. Uh, and
3: I definitely want to see more of this kid. And again, he's probably number 27 in the world. I'm not suggesting that he's ready for Volkanovski, but right. I do think that eventually he can climb. So Ray, you and Billy Q should probably go to the barbershop together. You both need a fucking haircut in the worst (laughs) way. But But what did you think of Tucker v. Cornett? Oh, listen,
0: I think he was a uh, was a half step ahead of Billy Q. Billy Q's, you know, his tough look. No one's going to question that guy's heart and toughness either. But he was just a half step behind. I think once Tucker started getting the reads on Billy, he started even looking better and better. And uh, you know, Billy needed to make some adjustments that he didn't. I think you know they they were counting on his toughness and this guy breaking. And Billy doing what he always does, come on in the third round and just, you know, finish it. But, uh, like, again, that's got to be something that's looked at now because now he's got to be a smarter fighter. And, uh, you know, if he wants to continue going forward, because we know he's got the heart and we know he's got the gas tank. But, uh, you know, he's got to, I think, become a little more, you know, technical at this point. Kenny, I think you'll appreciate this detail and perhaps our audience will as well
3: in terms of Gavin Tucker being a thinker. So he signed to fight Billy Q in April. And of course, COVID-19 intervened, but he said there were almost six more rounds of film on Billy Q now, since he had initially signed to fight him, you know, I yeah. mean, Gavin Tucker did his fucking homework and the yeah. F-bombs are just getting out of control and the not stopping
0: <laughs> now. Don't because we're I, gonna I, I, don't, I don't think he needed another six rounds to look at Billy. Q. I think <laughs> Billy, you know, what's coming with Billy. Well, Q. Hey, well, Hey, don't shoot.
3: Master. Uh Rafael Faziv. Rafael Faziv. I sort of joked on broadcast. If you don't know the name, shame on you. But at this point, like go Google Rafael Faziv. If for some reason you're actually an Anakin Florian podcast viewer and you did not watch him do that to Hinato Moicano. I'd like to see the referee sort of give a beat in there, if I'm being honest. But uh Kenflo, what'd you think of Rafael Faziv?
1: Uh listen. Don't stand in front of him for too long. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I think. Uh, the, the speed and the power was, uh, you know, it was clear he had that advantage over Moicano. Uh, and I think Moicano got a little stubborn there. Um, yeah. And I think he tried to beat him at his own game. And sometimes as a fighter, you got to go, you know what? You're better here. I got to <laughs> switch things <laughs> up or do things a little differently. Yeah. He wasn't using his range like I thought he should have. There were moments where he was getting a good jab off. But then he started getting into that range where physio was just way too good and way too fast. Uh, But dude, I mean, that is a striker who will really mess you up. If you want to go toe toe to toe with someone like that, be prepared to be sleeping. I mean, that dude is extremely dangerous. He's someone to watch. Um, I I would love to see his wrestling and grappling game improve because he could do a lot of damage in that division. So, Ray, I need to go back and watch Rafael Fazeev's
3: UFC debut against Magomed Mustafaev. This was my first time watching Fazeev fight live. I don't remember his UFC debut when he got TKO'd in round one, but uh, I don't know, man. This dude would appear to be a real problem. You're a striking guy. What do you think of Rafael Fazeev?
0: Oh, you can't not like his striking. I mean, he's explosive as hell. I mean, you know, every time he lands a kick, it's like he's being shot with a cannon, but uh, no he looks he looks good like again i'd like to see uh, you know a complete game we don't really know yet but i think uh, kenny's right moicano made a decision to prove everybody wrong and i think that was his undoing even though i and i'm not this is, I'm not taking anything away i think that fight was stopped maybe a little too early i think they should have given him a chance yeah. to work on the floor but that you know it is what it is. The guy looked great, you know, and he uh, it was a great fight for him against a big name guy, yeah. that, you know. So that's striking wise, it doesn't get much better than that.
3: I mean, he makes commentators react in a way that we do not often react with the way he lands those body kicks. It's it's insane to listen to in person. So, congrats to uh, the Danny Rubenstein managed Rafael Fazib. As he improves to nine and one overall, he said Connor was the best fighter that he would have faced and brought a lot to the table and uh, didn't need too long to dispose of him. Tisha Torres, a big winner, as was Cub Swanson. You got to feel good for Killer Cub, the father of three. Always feel good for the fathers with a bunch of kids, right? I mean, he's got three of them that are super young. And uh, to come back from an ACL surgery like that, Kenny. Crone Gracie, that win was just awesome. Last October, he goes into the quintet ultra grappling setting and gets a torn ACL against Jake Shields and, uh, called it a blessing in disguise. He was tested by Pineda. The leg was chewed up, but a huge, huge win and a career full of them for Cubby Swanson.
1: It it really was, man. And again, you know, you look at Cub and and the kind of toughness that he's shown and his ability to bounce back from adversity. Let's go back to that Crone fight. Didn't he have like four losses in a row before yes, the Crown fight? He, he had did. four losses yep. in a row. He was facing a guy in Crown Gracie who, uh, obviously is one of the more dangerous, uh, guys as far as jujitsu goes to ever compete inside the octagon. He got the win, um, you know, when his back was up against the wall, he just tore his ACL, it was a horrible injury, uh, and then just came back against a very tough dude in Pineda who was coming off of a win and, uh, and looked awesome. Once he settled into the fight, cub looked phenomenal. Uh, his speed, uh, w- was really uh, impressive. I thought that really was the difference, but his ability to throw combinations in tight from the outside, uh, was awesome. And, uh, once he settled into that fight, man, he like he looked, he made Pineda look, uh, pretty bad to be honest. Um, so it looked like Pineda was running out of steam. Cub Swanson was only getting stronger. Uh, and to see one of the good guys in the sport, like cub get a win was awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. A lot of competition for bonus money. As such, Cub Swanson did not hear his name called. I'm sure he'll get something uh, discretionarily, but anything for us on, on Cub Swanson before we get back to the main event?
0: I think Cub was one of the, at least uh, one of the old guard guys. Uh, the old timers got a victory because nobody else did. So ha- happy for yeah. him. You can see how emotional he was after the fight. Uh, heartfelt. And again, like you say, one of the nice guys and, uh, it's great to see those guys get a win. Kenny, slippery Peter Barrett, plus
3: 250 or so underdog against Chase Hooper in the first fight of the night. Chase the Dream Hooper, 21 years old, minus 310, the favorite. You and I talked privately, and I know you were the first to say it in our conversation, that he certainly didn't deserve that distinction to be a 3-1 to favorite over anybody in the UFC. I bring up this fight uh in the context of the fact that one of the judges actually gave Chase Hooper one of those first two wow, rounds so great. uh so <laughs> yeah. what I am going to do when yeah. I get home so I'm going to show my daughter Riley that round yeah. and then I'm going to show her round 5 between Davison and Figueredo and Brandon and Moreno I'm going to have Riley give me her scorecards for those two rounds and uh we'll see if she saw what we saw or if she saw what the judges saw I mean so Open scoring. Imagine Peter Barrett looks it up at the fucking monitor, right? And sees that he's not winning the fight on one judge's scorecard yeah. after two rounds. Yeah, that's you, know, what you turn to the guy. It's like, Really, Sal? I know it wasn't Sal Diamato, but it's
1: yeah. like, yeah, really, man. I, okay. Yeah. I would have looked at the judge, like, what the hell do I need to do in order to win a round? Yeah. First of all, you know, listen, I, I don't want to be dis- disrespectful to Chase Hooper. Um, I thought he showed a lot of toughness, right? To come back and, and, and win. Uh, I thought was awesome. However, um, I, I, this guy's a developing talent and developing talent to the point where I'm not sure he should be in the UFC. And, and, and again, I I just say that because um, I think the same thing we saw with the guys like Sage Northcutt and things like that, you can, it is possible to go into the UFC too early. Um, And I think that he needs to get better as a striker. Um, He's taking a lot of damage. Dude, he's, what is he? 21 years old. And he's already taking this kind of damage in fights. I mean, if you want to be in the UFC for a long time, and if your goal, like every fighter I think should be, is to be a champion, um, again, that kind of durability to take that damage eventually goes away. We saw that. We've been talking about that for this whole uh, show, essentially, with with, with Tony and Jacare and JDS. Um, You know, you only have a certain amount of time. Why not go in the regional circuit, get better, come back into the UFC, because... For me, he just doesn't have the striking uh, of a UFC fighter. He he does not have that level of striking. He does not have that level of wrestling at this point. I get it. You can absolutely get better. But is he at a point where he can be competitive against the best guys or or even the medium level guys? No. Um, And and it would be a shame to see him, you know, go into the UFC this early and then kind of just get left behind.
0: Yeah, I mean, but look, I mean, you've got – I think we can agree that they did give him a good fight that he could have grown from. Well, of course, and the yeah. odds you
3: know, oftentimes I, know more than yeah. we do, right? They gave him a fight that he was
0: heavily favored to win.
1: He was almost a four-to-one uh, favorite, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it was like yeah. 380 at one point, which is and like, like – the,
0: the only guy I feel sorry for today is fucking Della He must be fucking <laughs> living. He had that Dude. fight won. He knew, yeah. he knew the only way to lose was exactly yeah. the way he lost and that's got to be a killer. So you know? Chase
3: was given a developmental deal after went after went on Dana White's contender series when he was 18. Right then he has three fights outside the UFC, Kenny, he goes okay. 2-0 and 1. Well yep. no, but I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but so he yep. goes 2-0 and 1 to earn his trip back. And I think most of us look at him and think that still more development needs to be done just to be on the UFC level, but here he is 2 and 1 in the UFC with a couple of finishes. Right. And, but you're right. Like that doesn't mean you should be here or sustaining yeah. damage, but he's got a fan in me and a uh, lot of upside, of course, at 21 years of age. All right. Ray Longo, your thoughts on the main event. Thank
2: you.
3: Talking with my hands. Yeah, let's do it, baby. Your thoughts on the main event. How did you score it? I know you've Got praise for both sides, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I might get a flag uh, uh, of the nation of Mexico tattooed on my body out of respect yeah. to Brandon Reno What did you think of the main
0: event? I uh, the main event, I want to say I give an A plus to Jason Herzog. Thought that's the best thing I've seen in a while. Take the fucking point away. Guy gets poked in the eye, he's compromised. Then he gets kicked in the balls. What do you want from the guy? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I get a text from my friend because he bet he had a uh, Figueredo when a Lee goes to fix his in. I go, what fix? <laughs> I go, you want to get poked in the eye and kicked in the balls? I would have taken two points away. Like, I don't even, I thought that was the best thing I saw. So hats off to yeah. her. I, yeah. I think I, I love him anyway. Yeah. As the ref. But man, I, I, and you explain that rule. Perfectly. I didn't even, I was unaware of that myself because I go, wow, I never saw that before. But yeah, it, that, I, I give, I would have, it's got to be in the immediate rematch. Uh, I, I'd have to go back and score, but I, I thought Moreno was going to win that fight, especially with the point. uh, I thought he won that fight, to be honest with you. But uh, either way, they're both, both great. Uh, What a great fight. Uh, I don't, I, dude, I, I, I tell you, I don't think, people realize how hard it is to take an eye poke and then to get kicked in the balls and be praying yeah. on your knees for two minutes yeah. before you get up like I I, I get the, I the guy won the fight just for me on that he's facing right. a killer and that guy if you notice go back and look at the fight he was winning that he was winning he was coming on strong the other guy takes a break he comes out swinging like a madman again so you know I don't I, that should that shit is really rough when I look at it because I think Moreno was starting to find, he took the best he had to offer. I think he was just starting to break them and then he got kicked in the nuts. So hats off to Moreno, man. I He does, you does, you should get a, a flag in Mexico. I thought the guy was like, again, tough as nails. He never wavered on any of those punches either. Uh, the only pr- mistake I think he made took his foot off the gas pedal in the fifth round, which I don't understand, but I guess maybe the shoulder thing was a problem. Shoulder. But, uh, and that was the deciding factor. He has a good fifth round. He unequivocally wins that fight. So Why don't you get the tattoo? <laughs> I don't have any tattoos. All right. All right. But uh, but what a gr- uh, what a I know cool. you're what a great fight. I
3: know I know you're a man of integrity, and and I cheated on like my biology final in college. I cheated off a football player on all of the multiple choice. Hope they don't come from my degree. Um, but if I'm a coach, right. And my fighter gets kicked in the twig and berries, right? Yeah. If you have an intelligent re- referee in there who understands how the scoring is to be interpreted, all you got to do is dry heaver, say audibly to Herzog. Oh man, I think I'm going to puke. And then he has almost no choice in that moment to take a point away well, and acknowledge the impact that that could have on the rest of the fight. Yeah, that's, that cheating? The only,
0: that's the only problem with uh with that rule. But I right. think as of last night, I think it was very appropriate. Yes. You know I know I mean, but you can't. You but I think you're going to have to be an actor. And I think, you know, the ref yeah. is going to be up to his discretion. And that's going to be, that's a problem, what you're saying. But I'm addressing last night, and I think last night it was appropriate. I might All say right. it's bullshit next week. Because right. exactly, somebody might start Oh, I'm good. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be the telltale sign. Right. <clears throat> I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: Cody, you know, yeah. a- we need to clip those. We need to clip those as audio clips. And you're like, Now introducing the Ray Longo minute. Hickey, hickey, hickey. <laughs> You
0: know what I mean? Like, So those so guys are out there. Imagine that's part of your training now. right? I want to see you fake a nut shot and just start contorting on the yeah. ground for about a minute then get yeah. up and fucking act like nothing happened. No, but that, you're, us you're the, right. uh... John, you're right with that. But I'm saying last night, it was perfect. He's given us the fatty mcgee
3: sound effects today if you ever listen to adam sandler but i like this day (laughs) are fun all right you got anything else ray we got to get out of here and you can be sure cody's wheels are churning when you're making those sound effects Uh, oh i know ian parker's gonna be pissed but real real quick tisha torres finished sam hughes and i do believe did you see this fight ray tisha torres looked outstanding early on i do think there's a parallel to be drawn between Sam Hughes and Max Roshkoff. I mean, Sam Hughes did not want to be there, and she said repeatedly that she couldn't see. Then it seemed like when her coaches were going to stop the fight, she was kind of like, no, maybe I do kind of want to be here. Some crazy extenuating circumstances for her. She is not at all a lifelong martial artist, all of a sudden found herself in the UFC and just getting all those fast hands and feet from Tisha. Um, But I did think of Roshkoff in that moment that uh, maybe Sam Hughes needs a little more seasoning before she comes back is all.
0: Yeah. What do you
3: want me to say? Oh, you don't have to say anything. I'll uh I'll tell you I'll one, let you go. I
0: mean one, one quick story. I mean, when well, I'm sitting on my hey, talk couch. about getting fucking stonewalled. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Max Roshkoff. What the hell is it? Oh, the, the Robert Drysdale situation.
3: Do you remember oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah, he yeah. was sitting on? That's all I'm saying. No, anyway. I, I should have set that up better, a little
0: under I don't uh I can't right. remember anything. What's your
3: potting shot so my, today? No, right?
0: my potting shot was so I'm sitting on the couch. And I text Aljo, I go, I can't believe I'm fucking sitting on the couch right now. Like, it really did suck. And then he goes, I was thinking the same thing. You know? It's just, I don't know. It's just a little, okay. what a shitty feeling, man, thinking you're going to be there. This guy's finally getting the opportunity. And Zippo, nothing. Yeah. That's it. All right, man. Well, we,
3: uh, we, we love you.
0: We'll uh, talk
3: yeah. to you next week. We got an award show coming up, a lot to look forward to. We are sending you a Christmas bonus this year. Really? A Christmas so bonus? Look out for that. And You're last right. year, I'll tell I'll our audience I'll this. <laughs> no. Sorry. sorry about that. Tell your wife. Sorry about that Right. Yeah. He's like, extra rounds is fucking fattening that wallet. I will say, though, <laughs> speaking of integrity, this. Is the truth? and cash is Christmas bonus check last year until May of the following year. So we'll see if it takes you five months. I mean, you uh, must really need the money taking you five
0: months let me to it. After this COVID drought, that might get checked to get cashed before it's even sent. <laughs> Can you Venmo me that? Can you Venmo well, it right to my bank yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, hey, this, was a, 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 hey. this was a rough stretch, man. If I made it through this, I can make it through anything. Oh man! All right, get
3: a haircut. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Sunday.
0: No, I'm just trying to make you feel bit, So maybe you're fat in the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> <just
3: kidding>.
0: Done. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm out of my mind. I right, listen. Enjoy the rest of the show. Oh my god, oh, so good. Either,
2: right.
3: <laughs> guys, you're the
0: first. I love you.
3: Ah. Oh. I mean, you talk about let Sarah Longo overload for me today from one into the other. Well, for many guys out there, a lot of their identity is wrapped up in their hair, not for me, of course, but from how it feels after getting fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out. And that's why when a lot of guys get into their twenties, thirties and forties, they start noticing the first signs of hair loss. They panic because let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald, but thankfully now there is Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys actually will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35, and the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it now while you still have hair left. You get treated from home, no doctor's offices with Keeps, you can visit a doctor online, get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA... Approved hair loss products out there might have tried them before, but I can guarantee, never for this price. Treatment starts just ten dollars a month. Also, for a limited time, you can get your first month free, and you will find out why more than a hundred thousand men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. I've had a lot of friends out there seek treatment, and they got the horror horror stories in the past to prove it. Now, though, a clear direction for anyone with hair loss who wants to solve the issue for good. So. If you are ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash AF20 to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash AF20. Keeps.com slash AF20 to get your first month for free. All right. The duck has been waiting patiently. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event
1: challenge. And if... The time
3: is most
2: definitely now.
1: Florian.
2: You... I finished fight
1: to the main event challenge
0: the john Enick
1: and kenny florian podcast
3: all right now joined by my man the duck on social media you can find him at ian parker mma when are we getting the duck into the handle bro can we do it as soon as like tomorrow
2: yeah as soon as we get some sort of uh you know name on the show when we do the intros i'm the only one who doesn't got one so when we do that just like a little quack just something, you know? John hates when I bring this stuff up. I'm just kidding. You want me to do it tomorrow, dude? Do
3: I don't tomorrow. hate. I don't hate. No, I just know that you have leaned all in on this duck nickname.
2: And uh, you know what? It's, uh, thank you. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I was going to actually change it to Chris Lee's, a stupid motherfucker. But uh, well, yeah, I was going to, you're going gonna, gonna gonna,
3: to get that. me in trouble with the commission. Uh, oh, but I'm sorry. I, I'm no, sorry. it's okay. It's, it's uh, funny. It's really funny.
2: Yeah. Um, I was, I was hoping I was going to slide one of those and Candido was going to toss it up on Twitter, but the way I've been talking the last two weeks, I think I'm banned for a, uh, for a while.
3: <laughs> Cody, uh, has pushed out a lot of Ian Parker content on our social media channels, though. I think we promoted you quite well, all things considered, but I do want to congratulate have. you as the captain of team attic, because the concession speech has been delivered Seven to three, the final last week. It's 166 to 148. And because Ken Flo doesn't want to just do opposite picks and he wants to do the analysis the proper way, uh, Team Antic wins the 2020 main event challenge. Congratulations, Ian, and to the other few handicappers that joined in along the way. So now you get to come up with a punishment for Flo, and he has to approve it, right? This isn't remember the show where Bilal Muhammad gets to tell these people to push out these terribly offensive tweets and they don't get to negotiate these tweets. So you can chew on that, but congratulations, honestly,
2: on a, on a great year, picking fights. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to have Kenny like shave an eyebrow on the show or something like that. We were, you know, I don't want him getting fired from battle bots, especially now that I know that the <laughs> duck is happened to be a huge, uh, huge, I'm just invading his space. Kenny doesn't want to admit yeah. this, but he may just have to admit to the whole Twitter sphere that him and I are in fact best friends. Oh, and man. um, you know, I just may pop up, you know, I, I'm right. actually sitting in another room in Kenny's house right now. He just doesn't want to tell anybody. Exactly. Yeah, uh,
3: right. Well,
2: <laughs> I wasn't gonna tell you that
3: uh Boston Anakin got the Instagram follow from Kenny Florian, but it kind of is what it is. We gotta make I some all, picks.
2: I already knew. I already knew it's okay. I know.
3: Balal, <laughs> remember the name Muhammad. Minus 335, the favorite here in the featured prelim against Diego Lima, plus 275. By the way, this show Wall to Wall on ESPN Plus on Saturday night. So Bilal, as you know, has his own show on this platform alongside my twin brother, Jason. It's Remember the Show. It's live every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on this very channel. Likely won't be a show this week because, of course, Bilal will be cutting weight. But Bilal, Ian, good friend of yours as well. He's now ranked number 15 in the world. Might be even higher now, right? 13 maybe? Either way, he's won seven of eight. Only loss in that span was to the man who's headlining this card, Jeff Neal. What do you think, Ian, about Bilal in this spot against Diego Lima?
2: Uh, This is an interesting fight. I don't think Diego Lima is really going to threaten him much of anywhere. And I'm not just saying that because of bias. You know, I I do think Bilal's cardio will be better. I think he's going to be the more technical striker. And I think his pressure with his wrestling will be key. We, we saw in his last fight against Lyman Good how evolved he's been. I'm sorry, how much better. I, I don't know why I use that word so much. I know it bothers Kenny. How much better his striking has gotten that he's not just a wrestler anymore, you know? And I think really oh, he's shaking his head right well, now. Well, it I'm
3: bothered sorry. him one time and you have leaned so heavily into that. One time he took exception and It's not I'm the concerned. word
1: that I have a problem with. Is when it's when it's not it's either they've evolved or they're not. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's not the word that bothers me. If they're the not, if they haven't the evolved, bin. don't use Evolve, right? You see what I got to do to get Kenny all fucking
2: riled up? You see what I got to do? Jesus. It's all right. It's, it, you know well, what? He's got a problem with red cars, you know? No, right. that's not the right. issue. Yeah. It's I not a it's red car. Cars. No, it's not a red car. I like Bilal Muhammad here. I think he was. All right. Diego Lima,
3: Kenny has won three straight fights after some, some tough stretches in the UFC, but this will be his first appearance of the year, replacing Sean Brady. He had a neck injury that required surgery. So that is part of the narrative here, but he has figured some things out, especially on the feet. What do you think about Lima here against Bilal Kenny?
1: I I think Diego's tough. I, I don't think he's an easy out at all for anybody. Um, but I do think that Bilal and his experience and his consistency, it's going to be tough for Diego to go out there and, and get a win. Um, I, I, I like I like Bilal here as well. Um, I think he goes out there and, and wins this fight for sure. Bilal needs a finish. When you're minus 335, you
3: got to finish the fight. And a lot of Bilal's wins have gone the distance. They have been dominant, but he needs a finish. We'll see if he can get it against Diego Lima. All right. Also with welterweight, former UFC lightweight champ, Anthony Showtime Pettis. Minus 200, the favorite against Alex Morono, who is plus 170. So Pettis was back at welterweight earlier this year, outpointed Donald Cowboy Cerrone. On the other side, you have Morono out of Fortis MMA. He's won four of five, only lost in that stretch to one of the breakout stars of the year, Chaos Williams. And you got to think, Ian, that Morono is just salivating at the possibility of adding this Pettis scalp to his resume. What do you think about Morono against Showtime?
2: Oh, I'm very confused about how this fight even came about. I- I'm assuming they're throwing money at Anthony uh, Pettis to take this fight. This is no. not. A I match-up. think it
3: might be the last co- fight of Pettis's contract, and he want to get one in. I could be wrong.
2: I mean, that, that, that's something I just, for me, it's very risky because um, anything can happen in a fight. I think minus 220 is actually a generous line for Anthony Pettis, who just beat Cowboy Cerrone and has fought much higher level of competition. And we don't know where, where Marano is going to come back after getting knocked out like that by Chaos Williams. So I have no choice. I think Showtime Pettis gets the win here and maybe leverages his way into a contract extension, if you are correct with that.
3: Dan Flo, Pettis, Morono, I kind of like when superstars give guys like this opportunities when there isn't an obvious next opponent. What do you think about this fight?
1: Yeah, listen, uh, there's going to be a risk there, but uh, I I do think that it it does show a certain level of confidence uh, that uh, Pettis feels that that's a fight that he should be able to win. I I do think that's a fight he should be able to win. Um, And I I don't know if Pettis is going to go out there and, and finish him necessarily, but I do think he'll get the win. All right,
3: we got a pick'em fight next at heavyweight. We will have Ken Flo lead here. It's Marcin Tabora minus 110, Greg Hardy minus 110. We talked about Tabora a few months ago. Made a noticeable physical transformation for the last fight. Just was in the best shape of his life, and it produced a big win against Ben Rothwell on Fight Island. Now he'll put his three-fight winning streak on the line against Greg Hardy, the Prince of War, unbeaten in five of his last six. Comes in following a big win over the Crochet Boss, Maury Screen on Halloween. Ken Flo. Big opportunity for Greg
1: Hardy against Marcin Tabor. Who do you have? Jeez, you know, um, I I think that uh, if we saw the Marcin that fought uh, his last time out, I think that he should be able to get the win. But Greg Hardy's a guy that, you know, say what you will about Greg. You you know how he's going to show up. He's going to come up. He's going to come to fight. He's going to look for the knockout. Um, I I think if there's a guy who can get the knockout, it's probably Greg Hardy. Uh, But... um, I think uh, Marcin is going to be better on the ground. I don't know if he's going to be able to put Greg Hardy on his back, though. Um, and I think if it stays on the feet, um, I think if someone gets clipped, it's probably going to be Marcin. I, I do think that uh, he looked way better in his last fight, um, but um, I'm going to go with Greg here. I, I've picked against Greg uh, pretty consistently, but uh, I think he gets the win here. I think this would be a big, a big win for him as well.
3: Ian, you know I got one of the first seats on the Greg Hardy bandwagon. What do you think about his chances here against the much improved Marcin Tabora?
2: I was there with you. I'm unbuckling my seatbelt, and I'm getting on the Tabora train. Uh, I think that – no, you know what? Uh, Kenny's original point I think suits best. The last two times we have saw Marcin, he has been excellent, and I think he is one of the more improved fighters we've seen in the second half of this year. Uh, The cardio against Ben Rothwell, the volume that he was throwing, the pace, he fought really smart, too. Rothwell was throwing so much, and, you know, he kind of just roped him a little bit. And then that ground game against Rothwell that we thought Ben would have the huge advantage. Tabor really, I thought, stepped up. And I think against Greg Hardy, Hardy in that crochet boss fight, I don't think we saw anything different. I think we saw what we expect him to see, be the more powerful athlete, knocking a guy out. I also think Mo Green's a little overrated, as we've seen. I really think Tabor has an opportunity here to not take damage, not brawl, be smart, take this fight to the ground, and just get on top and win. So I'm going to go that way.
3: Nicely played. And just so you know, if you see me looking at my phone during this segment, I'm only communicating with our producer, Cody. So don't think I'm cheating on you by looking at my phone. It's not like I got hot chicks fucking texting me. All right. Huge fight at Bantamweight. Wait a sec. <laughs> that fucking Brooklyn ca- texting me right now? No. Sorry. Ca- Sorry. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> Huge fight. I thought that was... That's huge. So fight good. At Bantamweight. Oh, <laughs> Between the former title challenger, Marlon Moraes, minus 155 here against Rob Font, who comes back at plus 135. So, Moraes is trying to rally from what was a one sided main event loss to Corey Sandhagen in October. Font, I think, he in, <laughs> in the best form of his career, has dealt with some injuries. He's won two straight over Sergio Pettis and Ricky Simone. But first fight of 2020 for Rob Font here. How do you handicap his chances against Magic? Marlon, but Ice.
2: This is a real interesting fight. Huge opportunity for Font, huge opportunity for Morice to get back on track with a win. I think in kind of a stylistically good matchup for him. For me, if Morice doesn't win this fight, I really don't know where else he goes. I think he has to absolutely win this fight. I think if Rob Font loses, this is just a really solid experience for him fighting a top notch guy he hasn't fought yet. So based on experience, level of competition, where these guys are at in their careers, I think Marais is just going to be a little bit better everywhere. And again, I don't know how he's going to bounce back from that Sanhagen. I thought he looked pretty good in that first round against Corey. Even though Corey had the 10-9, I, I thought Marais was in it, you know, until uh, until, <laughs> until he wasn't. So I am going to go Marais here. I'm not overly confident, though. I like Rob Bond's stand-up. I think his takedown defense has gotten way better. Uh, you know, like I said, this is kind of a now or never for Marlon, and I'm going to go that way.
3: Kenny, Marice spot. Would
1: you bet the fight? Who do you like? You know, um, I I don't I don't hate Rob Font here in this fight. I, yeah. I think that um, you know it's it's kind of like uh, when you broke the the four minute mile for the first time, and then all of a sudden a bunch of people did it after that first person. I think that the blueprint is kind of out a little bit on Marlon Morais. Now, granted, uh, this is a guy with a tremendous amount of physical skills. Um, he's very fast. He's explosive. But I do think that. Um, it gives you a lot of confidence knowing that he may not be so strong um, if you pressure him. And he may not be uh, a guy who is going to come at you with the same kind of vigor uh, later on in the fight. So I think that Rob Font is good enough to get this into uh, the third round uh, where he could start to kind of turn the tables on Marlon a little bit uh, and and score. So I like Rob Font here. I'm going to go with uh, Font. I think he gets the win.
3: Big opportunity for the New England cartels, Rob Font. If he is going to be a UFC champion or get into that top five, this is one he's got to have. Are you calling timeout on me here? Yeah.
2: Kenny, you ran under a four minute mile.
3: Uh, I haven't. No. Well, I I will tell you though. I was going to
2: say that's fucking impressive.
3: I'll tell you though, Ken Flo, (laughs) and he'll be humble about this as usual, but Sometimes to test himself, he tells the story of just going out in the street in Dover, Massachusetts, even when he's not in shape and just punishing himself by running like a five-minute, 40-second mile. Dude's insane, man. Professional athlete. Most you famous always, most ever come out of Dover.
2: Bro, you always <laughs> had good cardio. I was curious. I was like, fuck, is this guy running like 330 miles? So- and that's why soccer. Just-
1: we just run so much playing soccer, you know? It's crazy. So yeah, Kenny's, soccer, final UFC,
3: Kenny's final UFC fight was... 21 days before my first day as a, as a UFC employee. But if I had filled out one of these Ken flow fighter cards that I have on everybody else, mean streak would have absolutely been like mean mother in there. No doubt about it. All right. At welterweight, this fight is really Resonated with fans, Ian Parker. Michelle Pareda minus 125. Chaos Williams, easier to say, plus 105. Chaos 11 and one hasn't lost since his third pro fight. And he's been a highlight machine thus far in the UFC. Just ask Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Ian, your thoughts on Chaos Williams in the spot against Michelle Pareda?
2: I'm not going to ask Al Hassan because A, he'll fuck me up. And B, he probably doesn't remember what happened. <laughs> you uh, know, like, like that was one of the most ferocious knockouts I think I've ever seen, just that straight down the middle that just ended his life. It was horrifying and beautiful at the same time. Tejeda looked phenomenal in his last fight. He finally toned it down. He was very methodical. Uh, but I'm never going to pick against Chaos Williams To I find somebody that knocks him out. There's something about him that, in my opinion, is like the Marvin Vittori's and the Kevin Hollins and the Chimayevs. These guys are just fucking built different. They're built for war. They go in there. They literally like Israel Adesanya, I will die in there. And these guys are just, the confidence is just like, we don't even need to get into Kevin Holland unless you let me do this later because I'm still going insane over that whole situation. But I think we got another guy in Chaos Williams that's like that. I am surprised we're seeing two guys with this kind of hype and prospect star power meeting this early in their careers. Usually we save this, you know, people talked about like the Weidman-Rockhold fight waiting and waiting because they were the two guys in that division for a while. And you have two guys that are hurting people that are very unique, and we're doing this now and we're doing this early, early in the career. I'm going to, and I, I'm surprised there's even an underdog. I would have thought, like, even money across the board, because we also don't know a lot about yeah. chaos. His fight ends so quick, but I'm not messing with him. He's violent. I like it. Give me chaos. I want I, that chaos.
3: I agree, though. Williams, Vittori, Holland, Adesanya, gangsters that I would not walk to the window to bet Kenny against. Cheeto Vera is another guy who I would actually Chido. put on that list who we will get to shortly. I do have some disappointing news for you on Kevin Holland, Ian, before I get to Ken Flo's pick. He does not run his own Twitter.
2: I knew it. I knew it. I
3: knew <laughs> so, it. I, knew it. <laughs> I know you were hoping that uh, your remember the show debut was going to be you versus he, Kevin Holland, but he doesn't yeah. run his own Twitter. He told us that. But we got to get Ken Flo's <laughs> pick. Well, what do he what, 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 what got?
2: That was so embarrassing. No, that was really <laughs> he, he said, he said- <laughs> I've been saying a lot of shit too. He said something to Bilal, like No, he didn't. Duck? It was said, his manager. No, 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 no. Well, now I know, oh. <laughs> but I'm saying- Bilal said something to set it up, and the guy responded, if it quacks like a duck, I'll smack the duck. So I said, Oh, the trail like how doesn't want this smoke? And he was responding to me. And I said to Bilal, this is really weird. If this is someone else running his account and I've been getting catfished by Kevin Holland's manager. This is really strange and embarrassing, but, Can't uh,
3: Michelle potato want a bonus yeah. for a submission of Zelemy Mediah in September. Nice way. I thought to distance himself from that Diego Sanchez disqualification. What are your thoughts on potato matching up with chaos? Williams.
1: Um, I will say this, th- I agree with Ian. I- I'm a little surprised that they're putting both these guys at this stage of their careers. And I think for where they're at, at this stage of their careers, this is a very juicy fight, man. Uh, I think that Pereira, from what we've seen, cause chaos hasn't given us a whole lot. He knocks his guys out in under a minute. So, um, I think that what we've seen, uh, Pereira is a guy who, uh, it has more craft. He's a little trickier. When he has settled down, I think he's going to be a a guy who's extremely difficult to beat. He's huge for the division, um, but does he have uh, that chaos Williams kind of power? Not from what we've seen, not yet. So here's the thing. Chaos is he's going to find a way to touch him. He's going to find a way to touch him. Most likely at some point, I think if he does do that, he'll probably get the knockout. Um, uh, Pareda, sometimes uh, if he doesn't stay disciplined, um, you know, make some big mistakes. And and if you allow someone like Cass Williams to touch you like that, it, it's going to be bad. Um, I think Pareda, from what we've seen, is the better fighter as far as overall skills. He gives you more looks and all that stuff. Um, but I, I guess I'm I'm going to go with chaos here as well.
3: I'm excited to be home on my couch sober as a it's judge, a good one. by the way, watching that one. All right, Co-main event. We'll need the round and the method of victory here. IP future Hall of Famer Jose Aldo minus one sixty-five. Marlon Cheeto Vera plus one forty-five. A lot of fighters that I have talked to, at least four, lean Aldo here. I don't know how you go to the window and fade Cheeto Vera in this current form. Ian Parker should be riding a seven-fight winning streak if they didn't take away the Song Yadong one. Disciplined 24/7, 365. What do you think about Cheeto here against the King of Rio de Janeiro?
2: Yeah, I mean, Cheeto hasn't been as dominant as, as those other guys that we talked about, but he is built different also with that mentality, that war, that war spirit. You know, it's hard with Aldo right now because, you know, he's looked pretty good in his last fight. You know, it looks like the weight cut's been working for him, that he's doing all right. But I think Cheeto is an underdog. I was a little surprised he was this heavy of an underdog. You know, not that heavy, but heavy enough. And I think that fight, uh, doing what he did to O'Malley, when everyone counted them out, except I think we picked Cheeto. You know, I just think this is such a huge opportunity for him, and I don't see him as one to waste it. And this style, we know this fight's not going to the ground. I'm going to ride the Cheeto bandwagon here. Uh, It's a three-round fight. I'm going to say decision. I don't love that prop, but I will will go that way for the moment. Kenny,
3: Jose Aldo seems to have settled in at 135 pounds. Last fight, of course, for the vacant title against Piotr Jan. Some of our listeners may not know, Ken Flo went 25 minutes with Jose Aldo back in 2011. In this stretch, he's lost three straight after that big win over Renato Moicano. <clears throat> what do you think about Aldo here against the oncoming force, Cheeto Vera?
1: This is it, an interesting uh, fight. And if I were Cheeto Vera, uh, this would be the time to fight someone like Jose Aldo, who I think that at this stage, he's got to be asking himself, you know, what division should I be in? Am I going to get another shot at, at the belt? Uh, and, um, perhaps we can start to question what his motivation is like a little bit. I, I don't know, maybe. Um, but I think the fact that Cheeto Vera is going to be a guy who's not going to go away easy. Um, I, I think that, uh, his reach, his ability to be effective in the clinch could be a factor. Um, I think Jose Aldo early on is going to be a handful. There's no question about it. Um, The fact that this is a three round fight, I also think favors Jose. I'm going to go with Aldo here. Uh, I I am going to go with Aldo here. I think the fact that, you know, at least if he can uh, start off really well, which I think can kind of affect Cheeto a little bit, Cheeto does Cheeto tends to get stronger as the fight goes on. But the fact that this isn't a 25 minute fight, I think hurts him a little bit. Um, I, I think Jose does enough to get a decision win here.
3: All right, Ken for likes Jose Aldo, and we will go right back to you on the main event. This is a huge fight, boys, in the welterweight division. Steven Waterboy Thompson, minus 125. Jeff Hans of Steel Neal, plus 105. Thompson, just a brutal matchup, I think, for almost anyone in this division. Many, though, can he fancy Jeff Neal as a future UFC champion? Slight underdog price on him here. How do you handicap his chances in his first UFC main event?
1: I think Jeff Neal is uh Mr. Consistency. Uh, I think um he's a guy who's uh always going to come up to, you know, show up to fight and uh come forward and uh definitely has some decent power. Um and he's tough, man. He's got a good chin. Um but I I, I don't think there's many people like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um and finding a person who can move like him Um, is going to be extremely difficult. Um, I think wonder boy, uh, if he starts off well, um, I, I think it's going to be hard, uh, for, for someone like Jeff Neal to find his rhythm against someone like wonder boy. I think wonder boy will only get stronger. Uh, I think as the fight goes on and, um, I, I like wonder boy, he's for me has been, uh, one of the best strikers I've ever seen perform inside the octagon. I think wonder boy wins this. Uh, most likely by knockout uh, in round three. Not
3: a lot of people burning up Sean Shelby's phone looking to fight Jeff Neal, so he has to fight a guy in Wonderboy who I think, Ian, might be the toughest matchup for him in the top 10. Jeff Neal's won seven in a row, I believe, dating to a regional loss to Kevin Holland. He's 5-0 and in the UFC. So Thompson, championship experience, twice competed for the belt 2016-2017. He's only fought four times since, uh, but the last win, Ian, against Vicente Luque at UFC 244 last November, I thought was just outstanding. So that's my lasting visual, but I love me some safe Saud. I love me some Jeff Neal. I'm not wearing this shirt for any particular reason, but what do you think about the main event and uh, who do you have?
2: Yeah, listen, I love that team with safe Saud over there too. He's done a phenomenal job of a lot of these guys. Uh, I just think that for Jeff Neal, this is too much too soon. You know, I think people really, uh, oh man, you want to talk about captain consistency. I think wonder boy, has continuously improved his overall game. Listen, if this guy can keep the fight standing, not too many guys can strike with him. You know, and he he looks so, his, his power is so unassuming, and then he lands it. Against Luque, he looked phenomenal. People were questioning how that gap as well for him. You know, I just think for Jeff Neal, if he doesn't land that early knockout, he's in for a long night of getting picked apart. I don't know if Wonderboy finishes him. I don't know if Neal has the cardio to go five rounds. I'm very distracted right now. Kenny's laughing. It's like he's waiting on to say something. Did I fuck up someone's name that bad? Because you called Fajita Pereira before, and no one said shit. And I and I held that back. So go ahead, just just eat me up right now before I finish this fucking sentence. I'm gonna take Wonder Boy by decision, but I can't stop because you're laughing at me and Cody's flexing at me, and I don't know what's going <laughs> on right now. <laughs> and I'm
3: faded. I mean, I don't <laughs> even know what's going on at this point. Well, moment. I'm not. I do know I shouldn't PM have worn coffee. my. I do know I shouldn't have worn my four to seven mate t-shirt on this of all shows, but it kind of, is. <laughs> You've worn um, it's okay. all right, well, we'll see where that wonder boy, uh, Jeff Neil line ends up on fight night. You can watch that show on ESPN plus, uh, Ian Parker. Great job picking fights this year. You have just made your final selection in the 2020 main event challenge. Are you going to enjoy having a few weeks off? I know you watch the regional shows as well, but are you going to enjoy having a few weeks off and not having to, uh, to dive into these picks or do you think after a week you're going to be and to get back on the horse?
2: I'm going to be, I'm just going to sleep in your backyard and just ask to talk to you. So at least we uh, pretend like we're doing the show. No, I listen. I, I love doing this. I love competing against Kenny. I love getting uh, picked on like a little brother. It's a lot of fun. You know, look, they, there's a lot of podcasts and shows out there that do the same shit over and over again. They're enjoyable. I enjoy the chemistry that, that we all have. And I think it's a lot of fun and, I think the personalities here mesh really well. And the co- the competition part kind of just brings a little extra funk to it, you know, and uh, you know, eventually Kenny will follow me organically. I'm hoping not i force him through punishment, but uh, because I'm going to come up with something way worse than a fucking follow. You yeah. I was going to say the
3: punishment can't be a
2: click. Of course it's not going to be a fucking click. How long have you known me a fucking yeah. click?
3: Right. Get out Well, here, we look Kenny. forward to that. Um, <laughs> I kind of look forward to you in my backyard. I'm more excited to just go see my kids after two weeks at this here courtyard by Marriott. But we got to get on out of here. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Ian Parker. So next week, we will recap UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neil. We will also get you details on the sixth annual Anakin Florian Podcast Awards. Those will take place either Sunday, January 3rd or Monday, January 4th. But a lot of hardware from uh, Ken Flo to be handed out. We'll get that to you uh, in a couple weeks with that for Ken Flo and the rest. John I'm saying so long for now. Thanks for watching. Listen, tell your buddy, please, subscribe, right? Hit that like button. I guess that helps too. Talk to you next Sunday. You later.